This episode's not necessarily directly correlated to anything that's happening in MLS. Um, it's not about, you know, Red Bull struggles or, you know, BWP or how great Chris Wondolowski continues to be or any. Or Jermaine Jones is a 10. Or, or the fact that Jermaine Jones is a 10. But you, in fairness, we kind of speculated that that could happen. I didn't. <laughs> there was, I, I, I know I kind of talked about it with a couple friends. I saw Matt Doyle bring it up. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not that surprised. I don't think, I don't understand why other people are. I, I no, I'm pretty sure Doyle brought up a 4-3-2-1, not a, yeah, not a 4-2-3-1 with 10, with, you know, you know, it's minor difference, but, you know, no one th- thought that he was going to be that high up the field. I mean, that's where he ends up anyway, so. But this isn't this isn't about any of this. This episode is entirely dedicated towards uh, MLS fantasy, and really, um, now Seth joins us. He actually runs a, a little bit of an elaborate um, fantasy league for EPL. Is yeah, that correct? Well, yeah, and I, I gotta say, it's a shame that you're not going to cover the usual stuff because I need you guys to keep me informed on MLS as a as a, uh, as a as a guy without a team yet that that can't can't watch a ton of the games, I usually get most of my um, my updates from you guys. So, and 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 I, I love the podcast, obviously. So, um, yeah, I uh, we run a sort of a amongst friends a Excel spreadsheet based what I like to call a pen and paper uh, fantasy league for the Premiership, um, and. Uh, it's uh it, it really came from I think some of the same stuff that you guys are are experiencing where you know most of the the mainstream um, fantasy sites out there really are are poorly I, I think are poorly run like they're not they're not like typical or, or traditional fantasy sports that us Americans are used to um, and uh, you know you're really like they don't have unique teams, they don't have stats that are tracked that uh, that are of any worth. Um, There's nothing robust about it. It's all really vanilla. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and then there's this other thing going on, I guess, in fantasy sports in general, where we have like the fan duels and the DraftKings taking over and and turning it into basically like a giant gambling, you know, exercise and and. Um, and to some extent, like fantasy Premier League and other other fantasy soccer is is a little bit on that bandwagon where it's like you against everyone in the world. And I I like to think of fantasy sports as being like you set up a league, you've got ten guys, um, you know, or girls, and and you're you're competing against each other, and you're you're sort of like running teams, you know. Um, it's so intimate. I, it's supposed to be intimate. There's trash talking there involved. There, there's something on the line every week. There's a little bit of reputation. There's a little bit of yourself that's at stake. That's exactly right. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I was listening to, you know, uh, one of the podcasts here a, a few weeks ago and, um, I, I heard you guys mention this, this like auction league you were doing. And I thought, oh, crap, that's, um, the only other league that I can, I've, I've heard of that seems to be doing something different, maybe off the grid, um, kind of hearkening back to the traditional fantasy sports, but in the soccer context. So, you know, that, I guess that's why, you know, I reached out to you guys and, and, and while we're talking now, but I, you know, I, I thought what you guys were doing with the, um, I guess it's the nerd league or I, what's the title of your Sean, what is it this week? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I think we've been going with Nerd League, the, yeah, because it's yeah, hashtag Nerd League is our hashtag, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's more about I, hashtagging these days, you don't need titles, you just need the hashtag. Yeah, understood, completely. <laughs> no, uh, so there's, there's a lot that we, we put forth, as you probably experienced, there's, so, we set up everything initially, a lot of it was kind of loose, and, and kind of open to interpretation, which, we didn't think we needed to write so much in, and we are discovering, especially even – well, probably not in the last two or three. Have we voted on anything in the last two weeks? Uh, I don't think so, but there have been things that have been brought up. And I, I, I think what it is is that when the more rules you write and the more complexities, especially with things like we have uh, various auction triggers and, you know – you can use TAM at this time and you know all this stuff. Like when you read it and um, you weren't the one who thought of it, and since this is a collection of a lot of guys writing the rules, um, I think everyone collectively understood different parts better than others. So it wasn't until we started getting through until we started seeing, oh, there's an issue with this, or, oh, I, I had an issue with this, and then someone said, well, why didn't you bring it up then? It's like, I didn't understand it then. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been sort of a struggle doing that, but I, I think we've handled it. Fairly well, aside from my so. bi-weekly uh, temper tantrums. Um. <laughs> we we pick we pick on you a little bit, but no, I, I think that I think that it comes with it. I think that's kind of the growing pains. You, how long have you guys had your league now, Seth? Yeah, so we're in our second year, I guess, and it's um, exponential growth in terms of its sort of effectiveness each year. So, um, you know, the, the first year we didn't even have head-to-head matchups. Cause I wasn't really sure what exactly we were going to be able to do and the spreadsheets and all this stuff. And so as, as we get better at it, it gets, it gets better. But you know, one of the, um, as a seasoned veteran in our second season here, um, you know, one, one of the guidelines I can, I can give you is that first of all, if you're arguing about the rules and how it works, something is going right. You know, like uh, <laughs> you've, you've created something that people care about. Uh, second, you got to, um, you can't be afraid to just like make a call that's extremely tyrannical that uh, pisses half the league off because it's for the good of the thing. Like it's impossible to create these things perfectly at the beginning. Um, and, and so as a case in point, I had originally imagined that our, our premiership, uh, the, the, the scoring structure and the league structure would follow uh, kind of how the premiership works where it's just table format. Everyone plays each other an even number of times the winner at the end has got the most points. And uh, halfway through the season, I, I realized that because we don't have promotion and relegation and Champions League and whatever else to fight for, you know, if you're, if you weren't one of the top four teams, you had no chance of winning the league. There was really no reason to, to care except for the, the genuine, um, 
the spirit of the game, I suppose, if you have that. Um, so yeah, we made a judgment call that was like, oh shit, you know what? We're gonna steal a, a page from the MLS and we're gonna have a postseason. Um, well, yeah, that's that's something that we we've, we've actually talked about. Yeah, so it's like eh, maybe the guy in, in in first and second, maybe they weren't too thrilled with that, but for the good of the uh, you know the existence of the league itself, you got to make that call. So I'm sure you guys are, are running into all sorts of things along those lines. Now, well, Seth, how, um, how many so, people do you have in your league? Yeah, so we've got ten. So ten, 10 teams, and- uh, 20, 20 players on each team. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine the guys in like seventh or tenth or. Yeah, we're nothing to play for at a certain point. Yeah, well, at this point, you know, we've got a few games left in the what I'm calling the regular season. Um, yeah, and, and and it's it's eliminated probably the, the bottom half of the table from contention, and everyone's fighting for that fourth spot now. So we've got we got four teams that'll go on to the postseason. Um, the the winner of the table, so to speak, or I guess that's like the um, the supporter shield. Um, he gets sort certain point advantages going into these postseason rounds to to reward him for his a following the initial rules and, and killing everyone and and then you know b so that he's you know not totally screwed over so well so what we did was uh and, and these these are still really much in flex but um we created a mid-season tournament kind of oh yeah that will work uh it, so basically you have two two games going on. You have your regular game and you use the same roster for both. But in one of those matchups, um, it's going to decide, you know, your basically we call that the, our own open cup, which is, you know, yeah. related to, you know, the U S open cup for MLS and, you know, all American North American teams or not North American, just, United just States. Yeah. yeah. Just America. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so the winner of that tournament that, you know, is over, I think it's about over four weeks, um, earns a playoff spot. So, yeah, I, I love that idea. So, and it's, it's contested, you know, it's, it's contested. And there's some good things about it. There's some bad things about it. They get money too, right? They get some gam. Yes, they get some, yeah. they, they do get a little extra, um, budget too that follows them into next year. Um, yeah. and I think it's like, what, 10, we have a $300, uh, I, don't okay. I've already I've already stated that if we had a fight about this. I already stated I don't care about the midseason cups. Yeah, well, I mean, the contention. Yeah. The brilliant thing about the fantasy sports is since the players aren't actually playing each other on the field, you can do things like double up your your weeks, um, you know, and have have two competitions going on at one time. And while it's not consistent with real life, it certainly is consistent with this sort of imagined uh, other universe so you know well, i think it works no i had an idea for um because um i wanted to have like a ccl where you play like real teams from uh, from other countries where you just pick a week that you're playing them against and just play against that roster now like it's logistically i don't think it's possible but i think that would be really really cool to actually send your team against real teams and stuff so yeah there's there's a lot of things you can yeah. do conceptually just because yeah, so, it's, it's all pretend you know so yeah, this so, is so you're this, saying you, you take your fantasy team and you and you match them up against the stat line of Atlanta yeah, exactly. or or or, or yeah, League yeah, yeah, X team a, I guess yeah in a certain week or something yeah and you create tables and yeah, yeah. so it's like a real Champions League. 
and see, my idea was, Seth, was I really would love to find uh, overlap weeks where you have MLS playing at the same time as the uh, Premiership, and you have two. We have our we agree about, agreed upon statistics because, of course, our point system isn't the same uh, or identical. Yeah. So we we come up with an agreed upon, and we have almost like this MLS versus uh, Premier League, Champions League between our two leagues. I, I, I've thought that that would be a cool idea, and, and I, you and I have kind of discussed that a little bit. But there, there, yeah. there's, there's some that don't necessarily agree with um, that yeah. idea. Yeah, well, I, I think you know, I, I, I love the idea. I, I think um, you know, broader even than that, I, I think it would be great for us to create a sort of larger community of um, elaborate spreadsheet-based, you know, nerd fantasy leagues amongst, you know, the, perhaps the analytic community or, or whoever. Um, you know, and if we've got uh, a fantasy league over here that's the Premier League, one over here that's MLS, maybe there's someone out there, maybe, that's doing, I don't know, Liga MX or, uh, uh, you know, the Bundesliga or Syria or or we can convince them to do it, you know, have, have a sort of a network or a, a fantasy federation of leagues that will, you know, fight for fantasy champions league spots or whatever you want to call it. I, I think that would be a, um, a noble pursuit. And, uh, you know, if there's anyone listening to, to, to your podcast, they, they should, they should certainly reach out if they, if they're interested in this or if they do it already, you know, it's, it's possible I guess folks are, are, are doing this out there. I, I wouldn't have known you guys were setting it up if if not for a couple of comments um, about the neat auction league that was going down that you were you were in the midst of. So yeah, I think that'd be cool. But I, I'm interested to hear the uh, the cons as well if there are, if there are strong opinions otherwise. So. Uh, the only con I think that are against is I think um, uh, stat parity would be a problem. Yeah. Because if you have a player. Because in the EPL, there's, like, stratification based on money and stuff. So, they're like, the top teams shoot a lot more. True. So, if you have any sort of system that rewards shots or if you have any sort of system that rewards passes or various things, you're going to be at a disadvantage as an MLS team because you're playing on the financial ground that the other team, that the EPL team is not. Or and, vice versa. You could have a team that, uh, a league that really... Um, values defensive actions, especially by, let's say, attacking players, right? So you have to, you, instead of going after guys that are just scoring goals, you're looking at well-rounded guys who might not necessarily fare so well in that type of situation. Right, right. Because, like, the MLS in general, the you get lots of very pretty bell curves when you look at stats, and it's because of the parity, uh, the financial parity of the league. Yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, I, I think... We could get into the weeds on this uh, for sure, but you know the pursuit of the perfect scoring system uh, could solve. Uh, I, don't, I don't. It can't solve stat parity, but it could certainly um, create tactical opportunities for a team to blunt. Uh, I guess it would be a you know what's a what's a heavily defensive action based league. Um, you know, blunting the the superior shots totals of another league through I guess through more right of the week type type tactics but um yeah it's I mean I agree with you it's, it's difficult to set up and, and part of that would be creating a universal um 
some I mean, sort of scoring system that tries to even it out. Right? I think the, the only thing that comes to the top of my head would be to possession adjust numbers, and that would be really, really... Um, uh, I, I feel like that would... No, maybe one of them. If you're doing individually, dividing the pass numbers per... No, no, it's doable. It's certainly doable. Certainly something to look into. Because if you're pass adjusting and you're awarding something per touch, so, like, sure, he has this many actions, but how many of those actions were the percentage of his touches, then you could start creating a level playing field between the two leagues. Yeah, but, that's, but we're talking about trying to create a level playing field between guys that are... Um, on another play, on another planet, so to speak, you know, uh, and, and no disrespect to MLS, but I mean, trying to say what, uh, you know, uh, and I can't think of one person that shoots, uh, you know, five plus times a game over EPL, but you know, there are regular players. I mean, Sean, doing your research, you saw how much more, um, yeah, players so are apt to shoot. Yeah, absolutely. MLS has like three players that do it, and Giovinco, David Villa, and Deshaun Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, certainly differences. So looking at it beyond um, just this, the fact that we enjoy fantasy, fantasy there, there's um, some people that have actually thought that the next, because I mean, overall analytics is kind of stalled out a little bit in terms of you know what people are really doing. Um, not to say that there's not innovation going on, there is, but it, it, it's kind of limited. Um, and even that was talked about over at like the MIT Sloan's uh, sports conference. There's a lot of people that kind of think the next wave of kind of breakthroughs will come through fantasy sports because people are trying to get that edge. Um, what do you guys th- think about that? And how, how much do you guys actually apply when you guys are trying to build, when you guys were A, trying to build your teams and B, um, when you're trying to do your roster selection each week. Well, yeah. Oh, that, oh yeah, tough. go ahead. Well, it's, I mean, it's interesting. I, I do, I think for me, more than anything, um, maybe through fantasy, I can learn something about the game that I, that I, I wouldn't otherwise gather. And perhaps even through just the way numbers combine and, and through like game theory as well. So, you know, it, for me, I, it's like in trying to create the right scoring system, I, I, I find sort of the search for like analytical truth. Um, so, you know, while defensive actions like interceptions or, or tackles are, are not a good way of, of uh, you know, evaluating a, a defender today, and, and that's sort of the holy grail right of analytics right now that no one can, can do or, or very few are, are, are uh, attempting well is, is the defensive analytics side. You know, while an individual evaluation of, of actions doesn't do a whole lot for you, you know, I do wonder if in the aggregate, like, you can assess pretty good descriptive um, behaviors of a team and how, how the different defensive actions come together to sum up. So one thing I'm, I'm looking at for next year is, you know, is there like a, is there a minimum number of tackles and interceptions that that a, that a fantasy team of uh, any number of combination of players, you know, if they hit that threshold, you know, is it worth rewarding them with a certain number of fantasy points to say, hey, you know, you, you set up a real lineup, a lineup that was not overrun in the midfield, one that did press, that did um, stop the opponent, you know, uh, 
took the ball away from entering the red zone or and then on the on the same level you know it's impossible to look at defenders and say he had the most clearances or the most blocks and he's the best that that's not really how it works but but if in total your team is lacking a certain number of clearances or blocks or especially relative to your opponent's shots that may be um that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm thinking about in terms of how to set up a fantasy system. Now, does that does that uh, you know does that actually translate anything to the analytics of, of real football? Probably not, and I've probably offended people even by saying that, right? <laughs> no, but but I mean that's those those are the people that a don't listen to our podcast anyways, and b that are are so stuffy that we wouldn't want them to. So I, I think that that's an intri- I think it's an intriguing thought process, and, and as you said, people are still trying to you know quantitate uh, what does defensive analytics mean, and what are we looking for? What are we trying to establish? I mean, these are there are so many questions that don't have answers, and that's okay because it just leads you to, to try things, and that's okay if it doesn't work because it, you learned how you failed there. Yeah, I mean, in terms of it's interesting because. I know when like Harrison, uh, like when we when we were um, setting up our point system, um, like the idea was let's make this as nerdy as possible. Let's apply as much analytics knowledge as we can without getting too much in the weeds and still make it simple to score. And <laughs> I think um, sim- relatively simple to score. And I think the what we came out with was um, something that you know it has its flaws, but what was interesting to me and something that I have kind of taken run with it is that. Um, it, it actually, to me, seemed close enough to a good analytical tool that I have actually been playing with versions of it on my own to create sure. something akin to the Audi Index. Now, um, one of the things I've found, I'm currently in the second model, the second, uh, I guess, the the beta uh, at this point, um, and what I found is the defensive side is really where things start getting screwed up because one of the ways that you can adjust to get defenders more credit in the model is to give them aerials, aerial duels. But sure. then once you start doing that, uh, then you start uh, guys like Salzizo jump into like the top ten, and it's like, and you're like, okay, well, it's really cool that I got Waston into the top fifteen, but is Salzizo a top ten player? I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, whereas with the offensive players, um, it, it seems to do really well, like extremely well. Um, like it, it's able to look at the value of Mauro Diaz last year versus um, you know Jovinko and rate them you know fairly closely and you can and you can look at those and say well that's that's actually extremely interesting because it's judging the amount of touches um, in that he's having and the effect on the game as well as the key passes and the expected uh, goals and stuff like that. Yeah, but see, when you have an outlier like Salzizo, there's two, there's one or two specific. Situations that could he's be. not the only one, but he's the one I'm, I want to. Well, play. I mean, that's the, my point is that people toss away stuff like this because they say, well, you know, it's Salzizo, he can't be in the top ten. Well, I mean, plenty of players can go through and have career, and, and again, we're just using him as a, as an instance, but players like that can go through and have 10, 15 games to where they just play out of their mind and play way above their talent level. And that's this was okay. last season. This was, this was like over 30 games. Oh, right. I'm just, again, just as an example, right. I've seen people throw that, throw out that system 
because they say, well, that one player can't be, or those two players can't be in the top 20. I, I you know, I, I just don't see it that way. Well, right so, now I, you have to I, be really careful when mm-hmm. when, you say, when you do that type of analysis because you have to. I mean, there's a there's an approach there that um, that has to be maintained. And not saying that you're 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 not. We've talked about this uh, off you know off the pod before. So, well, yeah. Right now I'm looking at two things. Maybe I'm going to um, do just an offensive index and then maybe do a defensive index. And if I can get once I can work them both out well, then try to combine them. Um, you know, I, I the other thing is to do zonal stuff. And what's funny about that is that's from the very little we know about the audio index, that's something they do. So <laughs> maybe I'm sort of backwards engineering and running into the same stuff they were running into. And, you know, I'm eventually just going to run, I'm just going to come out with the audio index, which uh, is interesting. But since our system worked... Yeah, but since our system works like this, um, I do use analytics, uh, or not, uh, I use, uh, I track my players, the points they're getting, I track all my players, even my bench players, the players I don't play, uh, their points per game, uh, for home games, for away games, to see if I can see, oh, this player does well at home, but not away, um, we're only six games, six weeks in, right, Harrison? Uh, six, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I don't expect it to stabilize. I don't expect it to be super stable for, you know, maybe another five weeks, at which point I'll already be out of the playoffs. But um, <laughs> uh, I think uh, it's it's interesting because also when I was buying players, I, I was doing a similar model. So, yeah, I think um, – and it has spurned me. So uh, this thing has spurned me to do analytics, and it is making me look at players differently. So, yeah, there is something to be said for fantasy – and analytics sort of combining and maybe some future or at least at least being an inspiration for further uh, for further uh, breakthroughs. Yeah, and and certainly if you can get um, if you can get people that aren't as as into the to the, the soccer analytics uh, looking at it, you start I think getting even more um, sort of like measured gains. If I think about like that's a great point. Fantasy um, American football, I, I would say like. At this point, with the saturation of it, like most people assess value of actual NFL players based on how they do in fantasy sports, whether that's right or wrong, um, and most of it's probably wrong. But but at a certain point, like I would say, as a I started playing fantasy American football uh, 15, 16 years ago, and while my love of it has waned um, in the past few years, I, I certainly like started understanding the uh, the league more and identifying performance is better probably after I started playing that. So even as a blunt tool, I think like a fantasy sports scoring system can can do a lot of, of good work. And then again, from the game theory perspective, I think it's interesting, maybe not in individual isolation, you know, maybe the aerial duels has some has some odd outliers when you're trying to measure a player's rank. But but how do those aerial duels compare to what your imaginary fantasy team went up against uh, in terms of offensive output from the other guy? Is that a is that a valuable thing to assess first at the fantasy level, and secondly, is there anything we can learn from that um, when we when we try to tell stories of real games through stats? Um, and then it, it is kind of nice, like if I look at, if I look at our our players in our Premiership League, like. I did a really brute force, stupid um, index based on like the scoring categories we used, 
and how folks do in, in, the, in the different scoring categories. And my list looks like Riyad Mahrez, Mesut Ozil, you know, Dimitri Payet, Danny Drinkwater, Deli Ali, and then a defender, Ashley Williams, because we, we double up a bunch of defensive points. Yaya Torre, uh, Ross Barkley, Christian Eriksen, Fabregas, Sanchez, Alderweireld. So it, it's nice to, even if there's no um, actual causal merit behind it, like it, it's nice to look at that list and say, eh, yeah, when all said and done, whatever bogus scoring we're looking at, it seems to identify like pretty exciting players or players that you would want to have on your imaginary um, fantasy you know, soccer team if you were to build an actual team of players. So uh, that's, that's kind of my, my take on it. Yeah, well, one of the things I've noticed with ours is um, that it, it can inflate certain players that, and I don't want to use the word inflate because these players are valuable, but I think it brings out things that we don't think of as valuable. Um, I, I've recently discovered that uh, fullback um, Aird of Vancouver has gave me 10 points a game regularly. Um, and yeah, and he's, it's just because he's touching the ball a lot and he's delivering uh, lots of key passes for a fullback. So, and he's yeah. getting defensive action. So it's got, so he hits all three categories of point scoring. So. Well, it, see that, that's, um, that's interesting to me because I, I feel like fullbacks are a problem in our league. I can't figure out how to precisely, um, encourage their use over like a number six or a number eight, like, um, in terms of defensive action output. But I have found that, and I'm looking at averages there, but but certain types of fullbacks are extremely like unique in a way that might combine well to win fantasy matches. And, and those unique fullbacks probably also have um, unique value in real life. I think of like a uh, in the premiership in Alberto Moreno. He may not be great at certain defensive actions, and he gets lost all the time, but he does throw in like, two key passes a game, which is unheard of for fullbacks. So to your point, you know, you, you can find these interesting diamonds that um, they're sort of like outliers in their position, which the, creates them them value. So and yeah, that's I think an interesting Kemp point. And Sarvas are two other, the two DC players, you know, DC not a great team right now, are two players that I recently attempted to require, acquire both of them and were uh, turned down by the people who own them. Uh, in hopes that they didn't realize how good they are. Those are two very good uh, players in our scoring system. Um, I was looking through who scored the other day in the various categories and realized those guys are probably, for for the money, uh, very, very uh, good players and not someone you would expect to be good because they're, you know, they're not big names. Well, yeah. two, two guys that I had highlighted for us uh, going into this was Dom Dwyer and uh, Fabian Esp- uh, Spindola. And two of the reasons why wasn't necessary. is doing great. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's here's the reason. It, it had nothing to do with his goal scoring ability. Both are really good goal scorers. Um, they're going to get their chances. They're going to create shots. But there's droughts. Every striker is going to go through a drought, and, and that's an inevitability. So the question that I that I pondered myself um, was, how does one build a team? That can survive those games where your your strikers that your your least valuable player on your team because we're all gonna have those moments. Uh, so. you mean every week for me? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've gotten to a point where I don't even play. Stri- I, I play one striker now. I don't, I play almost zero offense uh, outside midfielders because they're so 
streaky. I have made, one week they'll give you four. One week they'll give you four points. One week they'll give you 27. And it's just like, no, I'd rather go with the, the guy who's giving me 10 every week. You, <laughs> and, have, you and Brenton should, should have beers over that one, dude. But but the thing is, yeah, it's getting me consistent variance. points. I'm the, I'm like well, third yeah. or fourth in the league in points, so it's just not getting me wins because the teams I'm playing against happen to be getting lots of goals. Well, right. Well, let me hundred points a game when the average is uh, against me when the average is like eighty. I I, I have ninety nine <laughs> points against me and I'm number two in points scored. So let me let me you, break yeah, well, down. You've, you've had some goals, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've gotten extremely lucky. I will, will not deny. But the thing about it that I approach and something that I've learned that was very that was wrong was I looked at these guys that had high defensive actions on an annual basis. Um, and not to say Dom Dwyer had really high, but it, it was above average. So I kind of circled it along with all the other statistics that I felt that he was an above average, even borderline uh, elite striker in our league. And the thing that I didn't take into account for was the fact that just because you have two years worth of data doesn't necessarily, and they do those two things, doesn't mean that even though they don't change their formation, their tactics, that, that that's predictable. And, and luckily I didn't come down with Dwyer, but as has been pointed out, he's nowhere in terms of defensive actions this year. And it kind of shocked me. Like I, I, I actually had to go and double do a double. Um, I, I have a theory about that. It's because they're, they're not playing. Um, uh, they right. I mean, when they have, uh, they don't have another hustle. They have Davis there. So they don't have three people spearheading, at the top. So right. if you have three people pressuring, then, you know, you're going to get lots of, uh, you know, balls being quickly sent over. So, like, it's it's very easy if Dwyer pressures you, you can send it over to wherever Davis is, uh, is defending because uh, there'll be some gap there to get into the space. But, right, but, I mean, you just you, you take two years' worth of data and you, you kind of forget that that's not necessary. Just because it happened doesn't make it predictable, and I, I made that error. So I just thought, I, I felt like I should share that. Hi, my name is Harrison. <laughs> no, that, 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 that's great. I mean, the, the, uh, these are the, some of the, the, the fun stories. I mean, we had, a, we had a guy drop Harry Kane very, very early in the season in our, our Premiership League because he was – um, underperforming in the finishing department, to, that should make you guys really upset. Um, <laughs> and, we had a very uh, similar situation recently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so he was. We had we had an, maybe for another time. There's there's all sorts of mechanics you can do in terms of how you acquire and, and add, add and drop players. And we had an interesting one where in order to get a high pick for uh, players entering the Premiership during the summer, those guys were off limits during the initial draft, but. In order to get a high pick on those guys in the separate draft, you had to basically bid the player you wanted to drop. So a guy wanting to get the, you know the top pick bid Harry Kane. He wasn't doing so well. He drops him. Um, he picks up Pedro, who's uh, unfortunately not didn't do anything this year. And then uh, and then and, and then Harry Kane is immediately grabbed up and and starts performing you know back to his expected goals type figures and and. Uh, and, and really buoyed the team that picked him up. So I, those are the fun sort of, uh, you know, fantasy stories that can come out of mistakes. Yeah, we just had a, someone drop Kai Kamara. Yeah. That, because, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know scored, if that's necessarily a good move or a bad move. I still haven't decided. I still can't. I think it's, it's, I think it's very short-sighted. Now, 
I, I think regardless of the results, it's short-sighted. Even if Kamara goes and has a bad year, using six weeks of data to predict that is not, I mean, that that's not good. That's not very predictive. So I don't think either way, um, I, I don't think, uh, just to, and I don't think he's going to recoup that um, with the players that uh, that are on the board, board unless, uh, especially since he spent it most today, because um, I thought maybe he was going to hold out for uh, Seattle's uh, DP whenever that's coming down the line. So, uh, no, that's, uh, I, I think it was short-sighted. Did he spin on a forward, or did he go? Um... He, he got like four players today, right, Harrison? Okay. Uh, you know what? I, I I saw that he went and got a bunch of them. I think one of them was Adrian Martin, or Martin Winter. I'm sorry. <laughs> Holy crap! I just I totally went uh, to Portugal with y'all. Um, you got Jermaine Taylor, um, who could be benched eventually. We don't know. Other Borchers should be the one benched at this point. Um, you got. Uh, did he get Miller or did someone else get Miller? He got Teal Bunbury, uh, Adrian it's Winter, a... Jermaine T- uh, Taylor, and then uh, Alberto Quintero. So do you guys have um, maximum roster sizes? Well, we have – every team is granted 25 roster spots. Right. However, everything on your team is tradable to include roster spots. So my team is at 27 roster spots right now, and Sean's is at 24, I believe. You're at 24? Yeah, it's 24 at the moment, and I believe I have the most collective GAM and TAM at the moment, too. It's funny, (laughs) because I ended, because when we ended the draft, I had zero dollars left. And (laughs) I had 18, uh, only 18, near 19 spots filled. And just by trading slots and... uh, I use my drop. I'm now somehow <laughs> like the richest player. <laughs> and, and I think that it's going to – so we what we did was we also enabled every team to have one free uh, release. So you could release one player um, without any charge to your cap. So it, it's just basically like that's what that's what Brenton did to Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara, what, he had him for 44 yeah, and he let Drew pick him up. Was Drew got him for like twenty two dollars? Drew got him for twenty two dollars. <laughs> so got him about yeah. half price. I mean, I I asked the question on um you know whether it was like for like positions because it, it occurs to me that I do need to you know be a little bit easier on the guy that dropped uh, Kane. You know, we have the similar problem where if a striker is not firing goals, um, you know, y- you are sort of better off having a attacking midfielder or, or, or a central midfielder. And so I don't want to paint too bad of a picture that it was solely a um, rush to um, rush to judgment on the, uh, the the finishing skill of Kane. There, there may have been some other tactical, um, you know, measures at play. Like, uh, you know, it, it would have been nice to have for, I guess, Pedro to have, um, you know, on a on a Not good stop. Chelsea team, yeah, like like maybe he's on a good <laughs> Chelsea team and in an alternate universe, and maybe he's involved in all sorts of touches and key passes and through balls and all sorts of stuff. But uh, yeah, it didn't work out that way. So, um, with that being said, I mean we, uh, holy crap! See, this is what happens when you're clicking on a bunch of things at one time and you just have that like that stray thought. Um, I know for some players, 
at, at least from our league, we're a quarter of the way through the season, so trying to sit on a striker for so long, even though he's bound to, to positively regress, it's hard to continue to sit there and see those, you know, those goose eggs, right? You feel like you have to do something because otherwise you're you're going to be SOL eventually, right? You're you're going to get to that point, and the and the whole idea is to prevent you from reaching the the kind of the point of no return to where you can't make the playoffs, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I I've already given up hope on the playoffs. I I'm in it for the the non-existent point trophy. Because <laughs> uh, just to let everyone know, um. I am in last place. I am one in five in head-to-head. I have the most points against, though, um, and, but I have the fourth highest uh, points in the table if the table existed. So I'm not doing poorly. I'm just having really, really bad results. So either when I'm doing well, the other team's doing better, or when I have a bad week, when I've, I've had like maybe one bad week, the other team, you know, uh, beats me. So I've, yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been rather annoying because it's I'm fine losing a game that I should lose, but losing four or three or four games that you know I, I where I beat sizably beat the league average that week. It's very annoying. <laughs> yes, that that is uh, that's fantasy sports for you. Yeah, um, well, that was head to head. I mean, uh, yeah. this is why a lot of soccer fancy people prefer the table, um, yeah. but there are pros and cons to to each. Yeah, there's a again. I think it gets back to the intimacy. The head to head has a nice actual feel to it. Um, but hey, the season is long. That's one downside to trying to like manage a spreadsheet based uh, fantasy soccer league, which is that the season will continue until May and then. There's what, like a, a month and a half or two months off before it starts all over again for the Premiership, and you know the MLS has, a, I think, a similarly long season. So if you're down now, you can uh, you can cruise up the up the standings, hopefully. Well, um, now at the end of your guys' season, do you guys do any type of um, redraft? Like MLS has the has the re-entry draft, and we have something similar to where you you know you only keep eight players on your team, and then after that, uh, and this year is going to be a little bit different because MLS is expanding, so we're going to probably be looking to add two more players to our league at the end of the year, and actually, really, we'll we'll probably want to get them involved probably closer to October, uh, September. But do you guys have any plans uh, for after the season? Do you guys have any shakeups, or is it just a redraft? How do you guys deal with your auction? Yeah, so so we do a snake draft just um, purely for I think ease of logistics um, and, uh, and and trying to get everyone in the same spot or at the same time for an auction is difficult, um, and and uh, auctions are intimidating for a, a fledgling. A league where no one knows what they're doing, but um, we so we do a snake draft and then we do a full redraft. And I, I uh, I'm envious of the model you guys have created. It's ambitious and I like it. I think that for me the the snake re, full redraft has an element of um, what's the what's the, like parody or rubber bandiness to it that that would incentivize everyone to like feel like they have a fresh start, feel like they can. Um, 
they can make a go at it the next season and, and try to keep that uh, keep that motivation up to stay in the league. So yeah, I mean that, that's that's one of my like going into this, I had no idea if if I could even um, you know if the league was going to work mechanically if we were going to be able to do it if I was going to be able to keep the interest of people. So these sorts of more uh, cautious tactical decisions are have driven a lot of the, the early decisions, but uh, frankly, I, I love what you guys are doing with the, with the auction. And then with the, the various um, rules that mirror, you know, how, how crazy the MLS is. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the exact kind of thing that, um, you know, you would want to have as an alternative to, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it is, MLSfantasy.com or, or, or whatever. That, um, yeah. Yeah. The MLS site. Well, I think, I don't want to bag too much on because I, I, I do do that league, and it's fun. Um, but prior to that league even existing, I did MFLS, which was like the first um, Major League Soccer fantasy site. And, you know, I, I think um, it's more about my own preferences than it is, you know, about one system being bad. So, you know, it's about me valuing some stats over other stats, whereas, you know, that's not true for most fans. So... I know that if you That's, put most fancy soccer people in our league, they would be very perplexed and not like a lot of things. Uh, they probably wouldn't like like defenders don't get points if their team uh, has a shutout, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. It's um, so I, I I don't want to say you know like is that that they're vanilla or they're anything like that. I think it's just. Different. Well, I mean, it, and this is—I I don't say vanilla to take a cheap shot at them. I mean, but they are. I mean, there's no customizability. There's nothing that wants to scale or or change. I mean, it's very—it is what it is. And, and yeah, absolutely for the common fan. I mean, that's what their job is. This is the MLS Ooh, the common site. fan. <laughs> well, I mean, let's—I mean, let's let's face it. I consider myself uh, probably a common like. Major League Baseball fan, right? So, no, no, I understand what you mean. I just well, I shouldn't even say that because I'm in a pretty perplexed uh, fantasy league with that. But I've, I, before I joined that, I, I, I still kind of kept it at arm's reach. I didn't want to do anything that was, you know, that invested too much time. That I had to go and look stuff up. I wanted just a simple straightforward thing and i think that there's people out there that just don't have the time or don't want to invest the time in doing the stuff that we're doing and that's fine i think that's what makes that's what makes and endears this to uh, to us a little bit more yeah yeah I, I agree there's there's different you know different solutions for for um you know for, for what you want to get out of it i i think it 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 probably gets back to me these sort of existential questions about um you know, uh, fantasy sports, like what, what's really the goal? Is it, um, you know, is it sort of this broad based competition against the rest of the world? Is it a stock? Is it supposed to be like the stock market, which is sort of what I think, you know, mainstream MLS fantasy, um, or, or fantasy premiership games are, or, or was it supposed to be like, you know, something of a, um, a simulation, like a, like football manager, the game or like FIFA career mode or, or something like that, or even, even crazier, you know, is it like a board game, right? Like, is it, um, Settlers of Catan or, um, <laughs> or, uh, Dungeons and Dragons? Like, is it, does it go, does it go that deep? And that, that depends on your preference and, and that depends on what you're, 
sort of the the level of engagement and, and what you want to get out of it. But but I think there sh- there should be a you know, it's disappointing there's not a a solution out there at this at this different um, more you know strategy tactical level um, and that it needs to be filled by by folks like us you know running crazy um, spreadsheets and and whatnot but you know we'll see I guess. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to share with you our actual there there's a couple of these guys both Mike and Drew um, as if Drew didn't have enough on his plate and, and I think Bill's done a little bit with it too they've done some crazy uh, some crazy uh, spreadsheets and the way that they've adapted our our scoring uh, each week in the standings page it's it it's a lot of fun uh, it's a lot of fun to kind of come and to me, uh, to kind of look at, uh, I enjoy playing around with, uh, and seeing how people rank, how, how everybody's the high, how high everybody's scored, how low everybody's scored, stuff like that. It's, it's fun to me. Now all I can think about is now I want to add RPG elements. You get like experience points after you reach a certain threshold, you level them up. Like, you base something on the base stats of something, but from then, it's all dice rolls, and, oh, man, that'd be so fun. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the dice rolls are really these, um, these, these uh, week-to-week event data that are, that are skewing against you at, at the moment, it sounds like. Um, <laughs> oh, no, yeah, you're no, right. It's dice roll, yeah. But, yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, you, you, know, you set up, um, maybe you've got the right structure on your team so that the, you know, the dice rolls come around. Um, or, or maybe, you know, maybe you need to amend the scoring to give you some, some nice modifiers on those dice rolls for the, the, uh, tactical decisions you made. But yeah, you, I mean, it, in a lot of ways, it really is like it, I think there's a lots of, um, RPG elements to it. And I, I, for me, it's hard to ignore that side of it, but I, I think the way the most of the industry is going is certainly are ignoring that side of it, but. It's you know it's catering to the market I suppose at the moment. Well, right, because I mean we're building our own narrative. I mean these are these are uh, and you use the word were uh, the word its own universe, and, and I like that because this is our own universe. This is where we you know we have a, our own internal Slack, and and you know we get to we get to go at it. You know we we get to have our own. Why do we think player X is you know makes the player of the week and and stuff? Because it 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 changes. It's it's different. And uh, it's fun to kind of have a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's cool. It's obviously a credit to what you guys have built if you're having those types of um, discussions and arguments. Um, and I do think it is like one of the primary purposes of what a, what a fantasy league is supposed to be about. You know, and, and then this gets back to, I'd be interested to hear like, you know, are there are there groups out there that are doing anything similar? to this and and uh you know can, can we learn from each other can we can we create a network or a federation as i as i mentioned earlier of of uh of leagues and and build this thing out because it's a niche space right so is so is football analytics at the moment um you know no reason that we can't uh, fill it and and learn some stuff and if you're interested in creating one you know like reach out to us we, we have a a scoring model that's based purely on like you know data from who scored so if you're if you follow a league league mx the argentinian league the brazilian league any of those leagues that are on who scored 
theoretically, you could take the, you know, we could help you out with this template. You could apply it, you know, add a little rule adjustments here and there. You can have yourself a, you know, fancy league for, you know, not pretty much anywhere because who scores a little limited, but for a lot of major leagues. And, you know, yeah, we tough. could have this federation, yeah. And I absolutely would love to see, you know, a website go up that would and, – and honestly, I mean, I would love to throw – go headlong and throw myself and build a website that had this type of ability. Unfortunately, I'm sitting right here with my la- my work laptop like ready to go for as soon as this cl- podcast closes down so I can start back on uh, more, more work. But I, I – Well, you also I, have to build Wanda with Bay. <laughs> we, we do have that. We do have we we do have that. That is that is also uh, uh, a current bucket list uh, yeah. item. Maybe we should save it for his retirement or something, but it's gonna happen. I think it had, needs to happen before retirement. So Seth, one question. I don't know if it's the last. I don't know if Harrison has anything. Last question. Uh, so, who was the first player? I'm curious to go in um, your draft because ours. Was Jordan Morris? So I, I was curious who was the first. That, to that's because Mike was being a jerk face. I know. I know. Well, it was a tactical. It was a tactical nomination. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm yeah. curious who went first in your draft. I'm pulling it up now to make sure I know. Yeah, it's uh, it was Eden Hazard, unfortunately. Um, so, <laughs> so who were the that, top? Who were the first five then? Yeah, well, and, and the Hazard pick made a ton of sense. I mean, he was by far the best player in, in season one. So here are I'll give you the first round Hazard. Aguero, Sanchez, Fabregas, Memphis Depay, oops, um, <laughs> uh, D- David Silva, Mesut Ozil, who is probably the best player this year, uh, Aaron Ramsey, well, uh, Matic, which which made sense at the time. Um, Keep telling yourself and, that. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't me, but... but uh, I'm a Liverpool fan, so I, I had the snake pick at the end, and I took uh, this is this wasn't good at, at the time. Firmino and, and Coutinho, which which felt it felt like the right move. It turned out not to be, and then it probably in the end was. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of ebbs and flows there, but I would say the um, I'm looking to see if there's any like really so great. So your your guys is not an auction; it's a straight draft, right? It's a straight draft, and and I, I I would like to probably move it to an auction at some point. I think soccer, of any sport, is is best suited for an auction. It's so monetary. We we talk in terms of player values and and those types of things. The snake um, was really so that we could do an email draft over the course of a month for everyone that's that's at work. You know, we got accountants and all, all sorts of stuff. So. Well, um, our our Slack draft took uh, was it a full month? It was it was just short of a full month, right? It was short of a month because we projected it to be a month, but uh, yeah, it was under a month, like three and a half weeks or something like that. So you would give what twenty four hours for all the bids to come in on a on a player or? Yeah, well, know. we you you had twenty four hours to respond is what we said. Um, some the thing about Slack be- is it gives you notification on your phone though, so. Yeah, maybe someone will be out for four hours because they're at a meeting or something, or you know they go to sleep because of time differences. But rarely, I don't think anyone ever passed. Uh, like we had a thing where it was a day if you you couldn't hold up more than a day, and I don't think anyone ever reached a day. Yeah, that's good. That means everyone was uh, participating. That's that's uh, that's cool. 
Yeah, there was one. <laughs> we'll just, I'll just say it. It was Bill, uh, where we had to uh, at, steadily. We were just texting him, "Hey, do you want this player? Or are you gonna bid on him?" <laughs> and he would text back yes or no uh, because he didn't have the Slack app uh, for whatever reason. We were convinced that he has a flip phone. Uh, <laughs> I'm still convinced he has a flip phone. <laughs> I, I, I'm not convinced that that uh, that he has anything other than a flip phone. So, yeah. <laughs> so we had an auction. Our first five. Uh, just you showed us yours. Uh, were Jordan Morris, Sebastian Javinko, Bradley Wright Phillips, Kai Kamara, Robbie Keane. Um, go through think, the top ten. Let's go through the first round. Yeah. Yeah, Fide, uh, Fernando Adi, Dider Drogba, Clint Dempsey, <laughs> Russell Tybert. You <laughs> <Yeah>, mine. <laughs> uh, and then uh, last to pick was uh, Chris Tierney. Hey, I wanted Tybert. I wanted him for like uh, $3. $3. <laughs> oh, do you have Tybert? No, I didn't, but I wanted him. That's why I nominated him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... It, we, that was one thing about having an uh, auction draft was that everything inflated really fast, and then everything, as quickly as it inflated, like it reversed flow really fast. Yeah, someone got Mustafar for a dollar, and that pissed me way off. Yeah, yes. it's uh, it's difficult. You know, macroeconomics is uh, is not easy, and it's and and also not easy for a fantasy league. Yeah, so I'm curious to know by the end of the season how you've whether you've experienced inflation or deflation and at what points in the season. So, Oh, there's uh, one. I, I think already we've, we've experienced both of those. Yeah. So, uh, Sean, as always, it's good chatting with you. Seth, thank you so much for coming on with us. Uh, pleasure's all mine. And, uh, you got a Twitter handle or anything you want to pimp? Not, not really. Well, I will say, I mean, I, I, we've mentioned a couple of times, but if anyone out there does this sort of thing or wants to do this sort of thing, um, you know, absolutely reach out to you guys. And then, you know, you can email me at, um, yeah. the, I guess the, the email I'll use this is our, is our fantasy league, Teotal football at gmail.com. And that's, that's T I O T A L football. So yeah. Reach out. We should, you know, build a community around this thing and, and see what we can do. So, yeah, that's that's great. That's excellent. Thanks again for uh, coming on, uh, yeah. Sean. Say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Federico Iguain and everyone have a great and marvelous uh, week or weekend or wherever you're at. Hopefully, your CEO is not hanging out with you this week. Adios. Shut your face. High school jerks We're about to show you how this works Are we cool? Laser beams We're about to awesome all your dreams And you'll say, what are you, some kind of computer? And we'll say, a cyborg pimp from the future And I'm going deaf for cheesy I'm feeling a bit uneasy
rock. We're 